Hey, I'm Ella Gray, and welcome back to the Key of E podcast. This week, I will be finishing my series on the killers by talking about Imploding the Mirage. I absolutely love this album. Um, I have it on vinyl, and we went to this tour last September, and I kind of wanted to start out this episode by talking about my experience at the tour. So, unfortunately, we were not on the floor, but we had pretty good seats, and I was very happy with it. We were, like, house left, just, like, a little bit up, but obviously, like, there's just so much to look at. I stood the whole time, because that's, like, a promise that I make to myself that I'm gonna stand, and I went with my dad, and it was kind of nice, because, like, five seats... I guess, like, the five seats next to us, like, the people weren't there, or maybe, like, the seats didn't sell or something, and so we had, like, almost a whole row to just, like, I mean, I did. I was, like, you know, being my little silly self and flailing around, I don't even know, but it was just kind of weird because, like, everybody around us was, like, sitting, and I, like, wasn't, and so, and, like, my dad would stand with me, like, for, you know, some of the songs, but I understand that he didn't want to stand, you know, for the whole time two hours but I stood the whole time and then I got to the point where I was like I don't even care if I'm the only if I'm the only one standing like I can get into the zone where I like don't even realize that there's other people there but yeah so they opened with my own soul's warning which is off of the album that I was that I'm going to talk about today and really cheesy moment warning because Ugh, this is, like, annoying for me to even say out loud, but, like, it makes a lot of sense in my head, but during this song, I had this almost, like, spiritual experience where I realized that if I do not do music in, you know, my life, like, I'm going to not be the best version of myself, And I don't know if that makes sense. And I told that to my mom and she was like, I totally see that. Like if you do not, if you are not able to be creative, you are going to wilt away and, you know, you're not going to be the same Ella, you know, that we all know. And I was like, okay, so I'm not insane. And I told that to my dad and he's like, oh yeah, like I totally had, you know, one of those moments because my dad does like production and video stuff. And honestly, like, I'm, I'm used to second-guessing myself, but I've never, like, felt a feeling that strong. Something bigger than myself, you know, was letting me know, like, hey, you're on the right track. I don't know. The song started, and I was like, I'm gonna need to do this forever. And I don't even really know specifically, but, like, just being, you know, surrounded by music is, like, just this crazy out-of-body experience that, like, I can't even describe, you know, unless you also understand it. So, yeah, cried during that. Oh, we should play, we should play this game. I have this segment, um, that I, that I do. It's called How Many Times Did Ella Cry at This Concert, where I keep a tally of how many times I cried at a concert. And honestly, this might break the record. So, I cried at My Own Soul's Warning. (laughs) First song, I was already sobbing. And after the song, my dad, like, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, wow, what a crazy vocal. That was insane. And I'm just like, yeah, it was amazing. And he was like, oh, all right. 
<laughs> so I cried at that. And then, after that, just a slap in the face, they did the interlude from Sam's Town. And so that made me cry. Because it just felt, it felt like I knew I was like, like, time to buckle up for this experience. It felt like not just a concert, but like a show. And then another punch to my face, the third song was When You Were Young, which is my favorite Killers song of all time. And so then I'm just sobbing again. So I just continued crying for songs one, two, and three. So I don't know if we should count that as one time because I didn't stop crying, but it's three songs. So I guess we'll count it as three. Without going too much into detail, when you were young as a song was going to it it helped me through the following month after this concert in the weeks following i was just going through it and so that song kind of like got me through it and so you know at the time you know i was crying cuz i love that song but i'm like little did i know i was going to cling to that song for the following you know couple of weeks and so, yeah, I think that's really special. Looking back, I was like, maybe a part of me did know. The show continues. Incredible. Amazing. Then we get to song 13, A Dustland Fairy Tale, which the, the absolute just plot of this song, the build-up, is amazing. It started, and I was like, oh, here we go. I'm gonna cry again, so that's four. And then a couple songs later, Read My Mind. And then I cried again. And then we had Dying Breed after that, which I love that song. Didn't cry. Um, pulled myself together. And then they did the little, you know, intro of Caution. And then cried again for the entirety of Caution. So what is that? Six? Ooh, actually, somebody had like a, I guess, a sign in the audience. They were like, please play when the dreams run dry. And Brandon was like, fine. And it was the first time they'd ever done it live. And so he gave us a first verse. It was cute. It was the first time it was ever sang live. But he's like, it's too hard. We don't like to do it live. I was like, fair. Fair enough. Also, on that note, I found out recently, Brandon doesn't use in-ear monitors, which blows my mind. If you don't know, musicians, a lot of times, usually will wear in-ear monitors and they'll have, you know, a click track and um, if any of the other instrumentalists have a talkback mic or they'll have cues that will introduce the next song or count them in and they can hear the other instruments, they can hear themselves. And so uh, the lead singer of The Killers doesn't. He just uses a bunch of wedges on stage, a bunch of speakers that basically just direct the sound back at him. And I'm sure the stage is super loud, um, because it's just a bunch of speakers firing back at everybody. But honestly, I don't know why. I don't know what his reasoning is. I mean, you know, they've been doing this for so long. So, like, obviously, that's crazy. I mean, honestly, that's some talent. Like, if there was ever a situation where my ears just stopped working, like, when I was on stage, I wouldn't even, I would probably freak out and start crying. Because I can't really keep time. I would be pretty helpless without him. So, honestly, impressive. Anyway, after that tangent... Fun fact. <laughs> so they closed out the main part. Um, 
with all these things that I've done. And so I cried at that. So that makes it seven. Seven times. Seven times I cried. Um, this is honestly probably the favorite concert I've ever been to. Just because it was such an emotional experience for me. And I feel like I had just I had just graduated two or three months before. And I was kind of in this state where I was like, what the heck am I doing here? All my friends left for college like that week. And I'm at a concert not making money. I don't know. So it was like a, this weird thing where I kind of needed this like acknowledgement of like, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Keep writing songs. Keep taking baby steps. You know, take any opportunity you can. Sing at anything. Travel here. Meet this person. Like just do anything that you can do. Anyway, back to the album that I'm actually talking about. Let's start with track one, which is my own soul's warning. I tried going against my own soul's warning, but in the end, something just didn't feel right. I tried diving, even though the sky was storming, but I just wanted to get back to where you are. Who is you? I wanted to get back to where you are. Is it a loved one? A friend? A lover? Is it a past version of yourself? Is it, I don't know, God? Like, what is it? Is it purpose like I wanted I want to get back to where you know my purpose is I don't know I don't know it's a great way to start the album if you could see through the banner of the sun into eternity's eyes like a vision reaching down to you would you turn away what if it knew you by your name what kind of words would cut through the clutter of the whirlwind of these days I don't like that question because I don't know what my answer is. And that's like too deep of a question. Like currently when I'm recording this, it's three in the afternoon. Maybe ask me this question at one in the morning and then I'd actually think about it and be kind of philosophical like that. But again, I said this last week, I love songs that make you think deep. And they just sound like, you know, like this so- this song sounds really happy and upbeat. But then it's like, hey, here's some things that you don't often think about. But like, is there something bigger than yourself? Is there a higher power? And also, what would it say to you? And then you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Track two is Blowback. I absolutely love this song. She's reaching for her backpack. Puts out a cigarette and gets on the bus. She's sitting on a secret. She didn't ask for. No girl ever did. But there's a whisper in her heartbeat. And she can hear it just enough to keep her alive. When she's breathing in the blowback. There's nothing you can offer. She ain't already tried. It introduces us to this girl. It's the kind of person that kind of puts up a front. She won't let people get to know her because that's how people get hurt the chorus we got but she's breathing in the blowback born into poor white trash and always typecast she's got a lot going on you know in her head 
emotions that she's had to push down. I think about this line a lot. Um, uh, the part which says, always typecast. I think about this idea a lot of being typecasted in life. I worry that I'm always going to be typecasted as the disabled person. I'm legally blind, and I think that's a that's what people know me for, but I'm so much more than that, and I really would like to get that point across, you know, in the art that I create and the things that I create. And that could be a completely irrational thing that I just made up in my head, but I really don't want to be typecasted as that girl. I really like that line. The main character that they're singing about, she's being put in this box and she can't break out of it and it's taking a toll on her. And she knows where she comes from. Doesn't need you dragging her all through it again. It's like breathing in the blowback. Now how much are you willing to spend? I think me, and probably most people, when it comes to like finding someone to love and somebody to love you back, I think that we tend to see ourselves as like a burden. We're like, oh my gosh, my partner is going to have so much to put up with. Like, I feel bad for them. That sucks. But it's like, so do they. Can you cast out a demon? Can you wrangle the wind? Will you stay when she's breathing the blowback again? I think that might be maybe not a first date question that I ask. Maybe like a an eventual question that I ask. Hey, are you going to stick with me at my worst? Because I'm putting up a good front right now. I'm putting up a very stable version of myself, but it's not like that all the time. Something I love about this album is it tells this story and all of these songs connect to each other, and I just think that that's so special. And I'm going to talk about Dying Breed next. From the When everyone's compromising, I'll be your diehard. I'll be there when water's rising, I'll be your lifeguard. We're cut from a stained glass mountain, baby we're a dying breed. From the coveted touch of a girl in love, I was lifted by the sound of a spirit in need, baby we're a dying breed. I'm gonna move to Caution, which is probably in my top five favorite songs by the Killers. Let me introduce you to the featherweight queen. She got Hollywood eyes, but you can't shoot what she's seen. Her mama was a dancer, and that's all that she knew. Because when you live in the desert, it's what pretty girls do. When they sang this live, instead of when you live in the desert, that's what pretty girls do, they say, because when you live in Las Vegas, that's what pretty girls do. 
And now every time I sing the song, I sing that line instead. After almost every song, they're like, thank you. Like, I feel like that's something you do at, like, a little gig, you know, after everybody's clapping, you're like, thanks, thank you. Like, there's, it's, there's still such a humble, you know, side of it, such a humility of, like, being genuinely grateful. And, like, after the show was done, like, each of them got on the mic and they were like, this is incredible. Like, thank you guys. Like, it would, this would not be possible without you. It was a good crowd. Anyway, chorus. I'm throwing caution. What's it gonna be? Tonight the winds of change are blowing wild and free. If I don't get out of this town, I just might be the one who finally burns it down. Never had a diamond on the sole of her shoes. Just black top white trash, straight out of the news. Doesn't like birthdays. They remind her of why she can go straight from zero to the 4th of July. I feel like this whole verse is a callback to blowback being typecasted as white trash and only being like you know referred to of what your past was my favorite part of this song is the bridge because it's some kind of sin to live your whole life on a might have been i'm ready now i think that one of my biggest fears personally is like that i'm going to be older and look back and think about everything that I didn't do but I could have done and I had the opportunity to but I was just too scared and so I think every time I want to take the safe route or I want to take the easy way out I say that to myself like you can't live your whole life on a might have been and I just love the longing in the way that this line is sung Thank you guys for listening, and thank you for being here.